Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dream Nation Love Podcast. I'm your host, Yulia. Good to be with you again. Hope you're doing well in these wild times. Today on the show, I interview Laura Garnett. She works with CEOs and executives to identify their unique genius and purpose. She is a performance strategist and author of The Genius Habit. Now, the full name of this book is The Genius Habit, How One Habit Can Radically Change Your Work and Your Life. And this book is for everyone who believes that work can be one of the most rewarding aspects of life. We spend most of our life at work, right? So why don't you make it rewarding? And this book will help you do this. It's such a great book. I had such a great time speaking with her. And on the show, we talk about her new book. It's called Find Your Zone of Genius, How to Redefine Intelligence, Become an Expert on Yourself, and Make Greatness a Given. It is such an awesome book, and I'm using the tips to excavate my own zone of genius for this month of September. So hope you track my journey on Instagram with it as well. Hope this podcast and Laura's work helps you tap into your best performance. Enjoy the show and take a moment to share it with a friend when you're done. Have a great day. I'm going to hit record. Welcome to the show, Laura. I can't believe you are in the basement right now. Recording. Oh, no, I'm not in the basement anymore. <laughs> I came up. I can see now. So we're fine. Oh my God. Yeah. The weather's so wild. Although the way it's been, it could just all disappear like in an hour. So hopefully. Yeah. Who knows? So how pregnant Every are you? When are you due? You're like. I'm this pregnant. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm like six months along and she's, she likes to kick a lot. Oh my so, goodness. Uh, Wow. So she's she's a little feisty one. So yeah, but uh, speaking about your baby, <laughs> you have yeah. a new book out. <laughs> That's right, I do. And On next week, yes, which is crazy. Yes. yes, yes. And your book is called "Find Your Zone of Genius," and this is your second book. Your Correct. first one is called "The Genius Habit." Yeah. How one habit can radically change your work and your life. That is correct. And both are really great books. I have to say, I skimmed The Genius Habit once at an airport. I was skimming it, but I did read your second one, Find Your Zone of Genius, and I thought it was really fascinating and it made me think about my zones of genius. And I was like, hmm, how did you get to this point of living in the world of genius? Like, what was your dream as a kid? Were you fascinated with habits and and all this stuff? <laughs> no, you know, life is, um, I've changed and evolved so much. But I mean, very clearly as a kid, my dream was to travel the world. It was to be an executive in New York City. And really, I grew up on a dairy farm in Charlottesville, Virginia. And my dream was to have a life that was very different from being on a farm. And I think for me as a kid, my dream was around experiences. I wanted extraordinary experiences. I had no concept of who I am now and what I'm doing. That was nowhere that was not there at all. <laughs> well, definitely growing up on a dairy farm, you don't talk about work that you love. What I learned as a kid around what work is was hard labor. And, you know, that was part of my dream, which was what can I do to avoid hard labor as I continue to <laughs> get older? <laughs> and I'm a really hard worker. I actually say, I have to say, I'm a really hard worker. Farm, I, any former farmer or person that's grown up on a farm, I have such appreciation. But yeah, I was kind of like always telling my dad, like, hard labor isn't that fun. <laughs> it's really hard. But then you get into the corporate world and it's it's like a combination of hard labor and mental labor. Yeah. 
I feel like there's a lot more like anxiety in the corporate world. I don't know. I've never really worked on a farm, but I figure there are different kinds of anxieties like crop yielding and like taking care of animals, mm. but uh, different, like, I figure they're kind of like similar survival instincts, right? Because you have like so much stress to keep both businesses alive. Yeah, it's a hard business. I mean, you're very much at the whim of, you know, the weather for crops or with animals, like the prices of, I remember growing up just always talking about the price of milk because we had a dairy farm and we had chickens. So the price of eggs, like that would affect your revenue. And, you know, my dad really struggled financially as a farmer. So that was another thing that from a young age, I thought I don't want to have to struggle with money, which is why I thought, having lots of experiences and having a life that was very different and making a lot of money was a dream then. That's shifted, but that was the way it was then. Isn't it funny? Like we have dreams as a kid and then we grow up and I'm like, like I was like, oh, I never wanted to have a farm now. I'm like, I wouldn't mind having a little farm. Just like, like you know, I was like in the New York mindset. And then after like 15 years of New York mindset, you're like, I want to do anything besides the New York mindset. Like just the change, you know, you just want to change. But then you get sick of that and then you go to something else. And I guess that's what dreams are. You get like a new dream every time. Yeah, absolutely. I loved your book, The Genius Habit. Yes. Because you talk about following your purpose over your passion and then combining that with your own special genius. Yes. So would love for you to maybe go into it a little bit, you know, for all the listeners that are listening to the podcast and they're wondering what their own genius is. Yeah. You know, like how does one find their genius? Well, I mean, the, the first thing is it's probably helpful to just to describe the framework. So it's the zone of genius. And the zone of genius, I really developed that to answer two questions. One is, what are you best at? And what will give you purpose or what fulfills you? And essentially, this framework then gives you deep insight into who you are. And it's a science-backed framework that consists of two data points. So the genius and the purpose. And the genius is the thinking or problem solving that you're best at. And the purpose is the impact on others or in the world that is most meaningful to you. And then the genius habit is actually discipline and the habit of actively being who you are at work. So that's the distinction between the two. And when I talk about the zone of genius, that purpose piece, I think when you ask, you know, purpose versus passion, that's often an area of confusion with career development and figuring out what to do and how do you find work you love? There's a lot of, you know, Steve Jobs said this, follow your passions. And passions are actually, will send you in, in the reverse direction of what's right for you often, which can be very confusing. And so that's why I use purpose because intrinsic motivation Motivation that comes from within you is critical for long-term success, and that has to come from something that's a part of who you are, and your purpose is a part of who you are. It's connected to that core emotional challenge. Right, because I was reading in your book, you were talking about like finding your purpose like usually leads to like your childhood or yes. you know something in your life that drives you like... You know, and I started thinking about that with my work. I was like, well, I advocate for a lot of like women and diversity and equality. And is it because like I lacked that growing up? And is it because I didn't see it? And I think that is where it came from because I grew up not seeing women empowered in media in different fields and, you know, all across from art to advertising. And I was in these like male led 
jobs and mm. I was competing with the men and I was like, why aren't there more women? Why aren't there more people like me? And why isn't there more equality? And I was like, yeah, I guess that's where it comes from. And I guess mm. all of us are driven by all of this purpose from deep within. You know, I think we just have to think about what drives us. Absolutely. And oftentimes you might say that it's empowering women because of the fact that you didn't see women empowered. Oftentimes it's even much deeper than that. There's some inquiry around what's at the root of empowering women. So it's uplifting or it's helping someone get an opportunity they wouldn't have had before. And then you go to the root of that within yourself. And what is an experience as a child or even through your whole childhood where you were not uplifted or you weren't given the opportunity? And sometimes what you think it is, it's often much deeper. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And people can definitely find out more in your book if they pick of it up. Of course. Purpose is such a big name for what it is, but it's essentially about, to your point, you said your why. It's about going to the core of who you are, which is at the root of your psychology and actually labeling it and putting a word to something that you've only experienced emotionally. So you've never even thought about it in a tangible way. And being able to do that, all of a sudden you see it in yourself and then you start to see how often that core emotional challenge shows up in your life, like every day, multiple times. And usually if you're triggered or you're really upset or frustrated at a situation, if you pause and reflect, 90% of the time, it's a result of your core emotional challenge being triggered. That's true, right? <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> I, think, I think it's so interesting to talk about triggers in this day and age. It's like everything is so triggering, like the media is triggering, the weather is triggering, like everything is triggering and it's interesting to sit down and like figure out why you're being <laughs> triggered i just i just feel triggered a lot in in this day and age and i think that's <laughs> well and we and that's the thing we're living in a society that's more intense and something's going to trigger you in a different way than someone else and that's like, for example, so my core emotional challenge was not being seen or understood. And it's crazy how, you know, like the movies and the shows that I always want to watch are about people that are understood, or it's a show revealing who someone is. And when I first put language to that core emotional challenge, I was kind of blown away. I was like, wow, which is why you reverse it and it becomes your purpose because it's foundational to who you are. You're not even aware of how often it comes up in almost every interaction or every aspect of your life. It's crazy. It is interesting. It's really powerful to see it. Yeah. It, you know, like sometimes I'll sit down and I'll map out my life. I'll like draw little big points and like try to connect the dots and be like, okay, when did this happen? Because it's nice to see like mm. a linear narrative of your life because it happens so quickly that you don't stop to like think about all the big events that you've had and then you think about like well what are the micro events that i've had in my lifetime and like where is this leading me like where where is this story going and what is it <laughs> what's the end where do we want to go absolutely well and i was going to say too as a being pregnant when i gave birth you know i think every woman is different but i got so much more sensitive so that core emotional challenge it it took very little to trigger that and because i knew it i was like Whoa, my sensitivity probably increased by a hundred percent. 
So you can see the positive and the negatives. I found it as a positive because you're so aware. And I mean, your whole body, you just gave birth to a human, you know, it changes you cellularly. And I just became ultra, ultra sensitive, which you can use as a powerful weapon, but your triggers and your core emotional challenge will come up very easily. That's it. Yeah, I'm trying to add, uh, I'm trying to add like meditation in the mornings and it's been like happening once a week. Like I, but I was like, I'm just trying to meditate more, just trying to like relax more and just trying to be more present and like a little bit more mindful. But it's, it's hard to find the time. And they say, if you can't find the time, meditate for an hour. <laughs> but um... <laughs> I know I've heard that saying before. I have to say, like, Oh, as a mom, once you give birth, yeah, your time is so limited. I let it go. I meditated before and then I have not meditated much since being a mom. So I would give yourself a break on that. <laughs> right. I'm like mandatory, mandatory uh, meditation for, for babies. <laughs> They're not going to yeah. be good. <laughs> you know, but I'm wondering, how does one find their zone of genius? Like, how did you do? How did you find yours? Hmm. Well, it really, for me, I mean, this began, you know, 11 and a half years ago. And that's really where the work started for me. But for myself, I just became very present. And I was determined, I was like, what am I good at? What am I best at? What fulfills me? The two answers that the framework provide for you. The way I did it was I just started to pay attention when you're using your genius. It's an intellectual kind of in the zone. You're on fire thinking and problem solving that you're doing, you could do for hours, you lose track of time. Whenever I had that feeling, I would pause and just write down exactly what was happening in my head or even what was I doing? Like, who was I talking to? What was the conversation? And I did that over weeks and months and patterns began to reveal. And I began to see my genius that way. And it was the same with the purpose that I just became deeply aware. And eventually with my work, I created a tool to help people do that, which is to deepen your awareness so that you can begin to see who you are more clearly, which is fascinating. I think people can have multiple geniuses too. Like, I don't remember what you mentioned about it in the book, but I feel like people have a lot of different geniuses, like maybe two, three at the most, right? Like, but I'm like, how many geniuses are allowed? Well, I've only ever seen one. The only reason I say that is because usually people are good at lots of things. And this was one of the things that drew me to create this work was because when I went on this journey of who am I, what am I best at, what gives me purpose, it was overwhelming the amount of information that I was able to get on myself, either through you know, through a personality type, through taking, I read books, I did filled out every quiz test I could find on myself. And I ended up with so much information that I felt overwhelmed. And when I went about really paying attention and studying the, you know, the science and the psychology of performance, what I found was that there's just this one way of thinking and problem solving that is almost like the core missional challenge. It's foundational to who you are. It's your go-to way of processing information it supports all of the things that you're strong at, but I've only been able to see one genius. Interesting. Interesting. So what is the genius that you see for yourself? Yeah, it's called an insight excavator. My genius is about, I'm exceptional at seeing patterns in data and then being able to draw insights from those patterns and then taking action from those insights. And because I've been able to really create a business and work that allows me to use it, you know, regularly, I can witness myself getting stronger and stronger in that capability. So I'm able to synthesize and see patterns in data like 
like crazy. It's so much fun. Oh, that's really fun. Data is so interesting too. And I think data, mm. you know, like our sources for data are changing every day with technology. My friend just messaged me. He created an AI company that looks at videos mm. and it recognizes their facials for marketing. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, Kari, I got to talk to you about this. You know, that's like a whole entire different world for marketing companies to get data from, you know, just videos. Like, is a person happy? Is a person angry? Is a person sad? Yeah, send them an ad for something to make them feel better if they're sad. That's um, that's crazy. That's wild. Isn't it? It's, it's so interesting. So I think like the data is just always changing and I think you know I have to think about my genius I have a few things that I I'm really good at but it's like it's hard to sit down and kind of think and be like what am I really great yeah, at yeah well we could do a hot seat and I'm happy to do that you will kind of say here are the things I think it is and you'll see it as separate but I will see the pattern that it's all similar and it's just at the root of what you're actually doing that you're great at this is what's so interesting about it is that it's infinitely applicable so it doesn't mean that you know, as an inside excavator, I could apply seeing patterns and data to thousands and thousands of scenarios. Now, my purpose helps direct it. So my purpose is helping other people see themselves for who they are. And so that directs my genius towards helping people see themselves. So there's that pattern recognition is around helping people know who they are. And again, that could be applied into infinite scenarios. So it's really not meant to put people in a box. It's actually meant to be very freeing. And to be able to really be proactive about, well, how can I just create a situation that's going to be exciting, energizing, invigorating, and fulfilling? Right, because a lot of people are stuck in jobs that they're not a really good fit for. And that was like the premise exactly. of your book, how sometimes people think they're good at one job and they go into it, but that's really not the job for them. Right. And I think that's so many people. Right. And that's also based off of like an old traditional way of thinking of working, which is wait to be told what to do. Um, versus create the thing that you're really good at, which is really at the heart of my work too, which is everybody has the ability to be proactive and take who they are and be creative and innovative with that and not think that whatever job opportunity is available is the only thing available. Like take who you are, understand it, and then think of all the ways that it can be useful and powerful. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting. Once a person finds out whether they're good and powerful, at how can a person talk about themselves in a way that others can really get what they're best at and it doesn't seem like mm. they're showing off like I'm so humble so when it comes to interviews I usually downplay my skills I'm like okay I'll put them on LinkedIn I'll put them on my website and you can like read that but then like I'm an introvert I'm pretty quiet I'm pretty humble but I don't really like to toot my own horn so for me kind of like, hey, the information is out there. You can read it. You can see everything that I've done and you can hire my company. And I have a really hard time promoting myself because it just feels so mm. icky, you know? What's mm. your advice for people on how yeah. they can talk about themselves? Well, I mean, there's so much to say about what you just shared. So probably I would say your core emotional challenge is somehow connected to your inability isn't the right word, but hesitance to talk about yourself. So I would imagine if you pay attention deeply to those moments that somehow there's a belief in you um, that what who you are and what you have to say isn't valuable. That could also be driving that feeling. So again, knowing your psychology really helps you kind of unravel those moments and say, 
is this the really the way I have to kind of show up in this moment? Or is this the way I've been conditioned to show up in this moment? So that's one thing aside. The second thing is, is that by identifying your zone of genius and putting language to it, it all, it becomes kind of like your name. You know, it's really easy for me to say, Hey, I'm Laura. Nice to meet you. That doesn't feel like I'm bragging. That's just who I am. And that's how I look at the zone of genius. So when I say I'm an ex inside excavator and I really am endlessly fulfilled by helping people see who they are, um, that also is more of an identification process rather than a bragging. And so when you're not clear though, or you don't have that clarity, it can feel more like bragging because you're struggling to find the words to even describe what it is you do. I know. I think it's so interesting. And I think it gets to be even more interesting when you're like a multi-hyphenate. Like I always think about Elon Musk, right? How does he, I mean, obviously he introduced, like he's like, hey, I'm Elon and mm. everybody knows who he is. But he has like six companies. He has SpaceX. He has the boring company. Yeah. He's got Tesla. He has his fingers on like 3,000 companies. And uh, I think when people are involved in so many companies and they do so many things, it's hard for people to understand mm. who they are. And it's hard to just like put a wrapper on it where I'm like, yeah, I have a creative agency and I do work hiring women in diversity, but I also have a creative agency that works in pharmaceuticals. And, you know, I've helped launch large pharmaceutical brands for the last 12 years. And I also have a podcast and I also have a production company and I'm also in SAG-AFTRA. So it's like, it's really hard for people to understand what it is you do. Things that are not right. one. Yeah, because people are not used to somebody doing so many things. And I think it's, it's a lot easier when you put like a one, like a nice bow on it and you just go, this is what I do. Like everybody knows what Jimmy Iveen does, right? He runs Entroscope and he's like the best music production guy ever. Everybody knows what Michael Jordan does, even though Michael Jordan ended up going into baseball, you know, and that threw everybody for a loop. I will say this, usually what your understanding is of famous people might not be as precise as what's really going on. Like, for example, Michael Jordan. We It's easy to say, you know, he's a great athlete because Michael Jordan is someone who is a business. He runs businesses. He's got a bunch of stuff going on. I think you always learn about new things that he's doing. He's got shoes. He's got this. He's got that. And this is what I've loved about the Zone of Genius framework is that when I meet with people like that, and I haven't met Michael Jordan, but, you know, my clients are also doing a variety of different things. The Zone of Genius is the common thread because it's not what you do, it's how you do it. And that's what's often unclear to others. People only assess what you do by what they see. They're not really able to understand what's going on behind the scenes. And so in your case, with everything that you're doing and managing, there's an approach and a way that you're doing it that's similar. There's a pattern there. And that's your zone of genius. Yeah, you know what? My, I think that's interesting that you put it. I think my zone of genius is being able to build systems and mm. implement teams and be able to utilize um, creative people in like really innovational ways. <laughs> Just blew my go. mind. But like, <laughs> there you go. But it's interesting because it's hard, I think, for many people to talk about themselves. And it's really hard for people to sell themselves. And I think it's a mm. lot harder for women as well. I mean, it might be an assumption, but, you know, I think women going into these spaces and if you're doing a lot you know there are often people who who underestimate you and that's you know i focus on our underestimated founders and there's been so many times where i've been like in a meeting with my male co-founder and they're oh like are goodness. you the intern 
<laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, no, no, I'm 41 years old. I just look like a child and I've got a small voice, but no, I've built this company. But I think it's, it's a little harder for women. And I think it's, it's hard when you start presenting yourself where you don't want to seem like you have done so much that they're just like, there is just, it just confuses them. Well, and I also think that's rooted in how we've been raised and that our education system, we're taught that we aren't good enough until we go out and get a degree, a certification, experience. And this all kind of programs everyone to believe that you, who you are, is never good enough. You have to always seek external validation in order to be, you know, and again, that's why traditionally people use credentials to describe their value versus talking about what's going on behind those credentials. What's the thinking or problem solving that you're doing? What's the value that you're adding? The credentials are just the what, it's not the how. Um, and it's not really connected to who you are. And so that's that's kind of another shift that, I really try to help people make because when you value who you are, then your confidence and ability to talk about it strengthens, becomes less awkward. You mm -hmm. you trust that who you are is good enough. Right. It's so interesting. And then you find yourself in different situations and you're like, wait, I'm a woman and being underestimated. Yeah. And it's, it's weird. It's like, how do you come out of those conversations? Like, for example, I was in an agency, a big one I won't name, and I freelance at all the agencies mm. in New York, like a lot of them. And this is a new agency, and I met with them, and I sent them my resume, I sent them my work, and the guy didn't even look at my work. And I thought we would get along because he had a startup and I had a startup, and they were both kind of like in the same oh realm. Oh my goodness. But like, I just realized he wasn't, he didn't read any information, he didn't read anything, and then at the end, as the elevator was shutting, he was like, so have you ever worked mm. in an ad agency before? And I was like, 12 years, I'm a creative director, and the door shut. And I was like, that man wasn't present. He just saw me as oh, a that's woman. That's unbelievable. He saw me as some girl coming into the office. He didn't look at my work. He didn't look at my credentials. And he didn't actually listen to anything that I was saying because his questions did not request it. So that was like a really interesting experience. I was like, wow, I haven't had that in a long time. And then I was like, well, okay, well, he... He comes from a different country, which I speak the country of that language, but I was like, he's, he's a little sexist. So I get it. I get it. And he doesn't see my value because that's his world. But I was like, okay, well, how do you, you can't break from those situations. You can't modify them because that person is not going to see your value. So, so that really interests me, like how you get people who don't see your value to see your value. And I think that's something that like America is having a conversation with right now with like the current like climate with people in Black Lives Matter and everything else. Because like some people just have a filter on and you, and you can't get past that filter. Like no matter what you say, no matter what. Absolutely. What you do people are just going to like input the signal that they want to input. Look, and I think the time we are in with the equality, you know, the racial inequality stuff is, uh, it's been really hard and challenging, but ultimately extremely positive for, I hope for the future of our society, just as much as Me Too and any sort of, you know, uh, groundbreaking kind of step forward. But ultimately, again, and always with these step forwards, there's a step back. And I go back to the work confidence and blamed yourself for that, rather than saying, you know what, 
I don't actually uh, care about you and your response right now. I'm going to go and find other people that do. And it's only standing up for yourself and finding the environments and the people that are going to acknowledge you and value you that our society can start changing. And I hope the business world is taking a step forward with equality and diversity and that this encourages more people of color and different cultures to just be who they are at work and not hold themselves back. Because that's what, to me, is so utterly painful to know that someone can't really be who they are in a work environment. There's no way that you can perform at your best if you're holding back or feeling uh, you don't have, there's no psychological safety to be truly authentically who you are. And again, I think if you're not getting that, opt out, vote with your feet, go build your own business, go do something where your value will be celebrated. I agree. I I love that advice. And I also love that advice in your book that says you have to activate both your head yes. and your heart conversation and that the genius is your head and the impact I think is your heart and you have to bring those two together but you know what is your advice for combining your heart and your head because I think so many of us lead with our heads and some of us lead with our hearts and I think it's really hard to find a mutual ground for these two you know, how do you combine the two? We haven't even talked about the performance tracker. My answer to that is building the genius habit, which is essentially filling out the performance tracker every week. The performance tracker is a tool that I created that distills all of the science, psychology, and neuroscience of success, as well as the zone of genius. And it allows you to check in on a weekly basis to see if you are using your genius and your purpose. So to answer your question, it's about awareness. So one of the questions on the tracker is, what is the impact that you had on others this week? That speaks to the heart and the purpose. And so you pause and reflect and you say, well, what the people that I interacted with for, I'll use myself as an example, everyone that I interacted with this past week, was I able, did they see themselves for who they are as a result of interacting with me? And again, this is not about 100% of the time. It's about enough of the time that you have a consistent feeling of joy and fulfillment. And then with the genius, you know, challenge and energy and excitement. And so you just pay attention to those moments. And then you might, I might say, wow, I didn't really have one of those moments this week. Why is that? Oh, well, I always get that with my clients. I didn't have a client meeting or next week I do. So fantastic. Or I need to go get more clients in order to have that. Or I had these three powerful, meaningful moments. And it was an example of me doing my purpose. How can I have more of those for next week? So that's really how um, you go about making sure that you're using your head and your heart, which is, again, it's just awareness and it's checking in and filling in this, this little tool that I created that I absolutely love. I love that. I love that tool. And you know what? I'm going to check it out. And they can check it out on your website as well, right? Yes. You could go now and download uh, the performance tracker. If you go to my website, lauragarnett.com, go to the Genius Habit tab and scroll down and there's tools and trackers there. And actually, there's a brand new tracker called the Zone of Genius Tracker that is connected to the new book. So for those of you who are listening and you haven't read the Genius Habit, start with Find Your Zone of Genius and then download the Zone of Genius Tracker, which is really just about helping you build the presence to see your genius and your purpose. Whereas the performance tracker is all about bringing other aspects of success into your awareness besides just who you are. So start with the zone of genius tracker. I, I love it. I, if anyone wears a Fitbit or is obsessed with tracking their steps, this is like tracking your ability to be who you are. It's super fun. 
<laughs> you know what? I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna like, I'm gonna like talk about it on my Instagram after I do it because I love, I love Perfect. learning more about more myself. And I'm like, this will be a fun little exercise. I think maybe in like two weeks, I've got a big project coming up next week. And then I'm going to start yeah. meditating and using the tracker and my life is going to be perfect. <laughs> That's right. It will solve all of your problems. It will solve all of my problems. No, I think I if anything, it. it's, it's the tool that I wish I had when I had a career crisis. And it's just, I think, a tool that's often missing when it comes to career management or performance management. It, it's excavating the answers from yourself that are within. Most people have tons of questions about their career and performance and don't realize that most of the answers are within themselves. They just haven't had the time or the presence or the awareness to really excavate those out of themselves. What are some common roadblocks, you know, when trying to excavate your zone of genius? You talk about that in your book yeah. too. Uh, what do you see popping yeah, up? Yeah, I love that question because I think it's interesting. Some people are able to see their zone of genius very quickly and others aren't. And there's a couple of things that are usually preventing them from doing that. And one of them is very typical, which is going too fast. This takes time. It takes presence. And if you're rapidly going through your day, that's why in a way the pandemic is a great time to get to do this work because people have more time to just think and be. So it's going too fast. If you're going too fast, you're not going to see this in yourself and you're going to overgeneralize. You'll see the broad strokes. You won't see the core. The other one is that, you know, just not valuing what you're best at. People tend to think what they do effortlessly is therefore not valuable when it's actually the opposite. What is effortless to you is your most valuable asset. And so once you begin to be aware of that, then it's more easy to see and really honor the genius and the purpose within you. Because if you don't value it, you're never going to see it. I love that. I love that. And, you know, that's almost like working smarter instead of harder. Because sometimes I'm like, oh, I work so hard. This is valuable. Yeah. And I think those are some common misnomers. I think especially in American culture, they're like, you have to work so hard. Whereas opposed to like, if you look at like a different culture where it's like France or even England, you know, they're oh, like, yeah. compare that to like New York versus London, London ad agencies hang up their hat at five o'clock and they go to the pub and they create amazing advertising. And like <laughs> in New York, you're stuck to like two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. Totally. Well, and it's interesting because I've lived and worked in England and South Africa and Spain and a bunch of different countries. And every, I think every country has their particular cultural roadblocks to people being who they are. And I think, you know, just because I was working and living in the UK for a while, because another one is just caring what others think and the, the class system in the UK, that really holds people back because they have this sense that, uh, and in, in the British culture is very much like, I am just who I am and I can't go further than what my class is. And, you know, that's a mindset issue. And in the US, it can be caring what other people think. If you are operating in a way to be what you think others want, then you also will never see your zone of genius because it's about not caring what other people think and honoring the uniqueness or odd or amazing. It's all amazing, but it could be very different and really honoring that rather than thinking there's something wrong with it because others don't understand it, for example. Yeah, we're definitely more focused on like individuality and uniqueness in the US, which is both great, but also like sometimes frustrating mm. as well. But again, here, what I love, you know, it is the American dream too. And 
And I think this is a place, I, I'm an immigrant. I grew up in Russia. So compared to Russia, I'm like, I can do anything here <laughs> almost. So I think there is a lot of weight given to being in the right mindset. If you're in the mindset of I can accomplish anything, then the whole world opens up to you. Absolutely. And also the whole not caring what others think is connected to the law of conformity. I feel like once another person enters the room or you're in a team, the power to conform is is very strong. And so part of being who you are is resisting that. And that takes confidence. I notice it because I'm super aware when I go into a group of people, I'm like, whoa, like it would be so easy to just gloss over who I am. Or even when I first saw my zone of genius and I would share it at parties or out in the city networking, at first it was awkward. It, was, it wasn't normal to be so clear. They're like, oh, whoa, okay. And now I've practiced it. That's why it's kind of like a name, like knowing who you are and sharing it is, it's kind of the same as giving your name to people. You just have to keep doing it because it's a practice. And that's the genius habit is a habit of just being who you are without anyone caring, no matter what anyone thinks. (laughs) I love it. Well, now that you've achieved your own genius, you know, what is your dream as an adult? You know, I just love this question because I love dreams. And it's so funny because my dream as an adult is vastly different than what it was as a kid. I feel like in many ways I achieved my dreams from a kid. But what I did in that process was uh, realize that those dreams were not as good as it gets. And so my dreams now are really uh, more reflective of the internal potential and growth that is possible in my life. For me right now, it's all about like how being deeply connected to myself in my career in my relationships, and then translating that to raising my daughter to also be deeply connected to herself and ultimately um, achieving her potential in a way that's right for her. And so that's, that's my dream. I love it. That's a beautiful dream. Thank you. It has. You know, I really hope that we come out of this pandemic being a country that spends more time outdoors, spends more time with our with loved children. ones, especially yeah. families with children. Because I think in America, we're so focused on, oh, we're so busy. I'm so busy. I am so important. Mm. And it's all about like finding the balance. But I think it's about figuring out how to do everything together. Like it just brings family together. Absolutely. And I, to me too, it's also about being more conscious about how you spend your time because more often outings or socializing or filling your calendar with events is a way of distracting you from what's really going on inside. To me, that is the, the one of the greatest lessons of this pandemic. And, and people are freaking out because now they're realizing, wait, you take out all of these social interactions and I now see what's really going on within me. I really have hope that it opens people's eyes to you know, who they are, what's really going on with them, and it empowers them to, to make a move that's right for them. And let's hope for our society and country as well. I hope those decisions move us forward, not backwards. I know. I really hope so too. And I'm a hermit. So I love this. I'm like, this is my normal life. I don't go out anywhere. I'm like, I just digitally zoom with people from my show and try not to leave the house. And I go by the Warren Buffett rule, which is, you know, he tries to really not have any meetings on his calendar at all. He has like a flip phone still, so he can spend most of his time just reading and doing whatever he wants. And I'm like, you know, I'm very guarded with my time. I'm like, I do my podcasts and uh, I spend my time doing work and then I spend my free time working out. But I, I'm really guarded with my time for like, my friends already know that they're like, oh, I want to hang out. And she probably won't 
want to hang out because unless it's something that is like a workout or something is that's like a class something that's enriching i don't really take joy in just like hanging out unless we do a podcast because that's a way to connect and learn like i love that but like getting our nails done together i'm like that i don't i don't care for that like <laughs> just like will it give me muscles <laughs> i'm exactly the same way i feel like an hour of my time is like a diamond and i don't want to spend it unless it's going to enrich my inner experience or world or my potential and yeah i and again wait till you have a baby like for me having a baby just the pandemic <laughs> life started then and uh, for me, it's been three years. I'm like, it's fine. I'll quarantine for another year. But again, I've discovered, I even wrote a newsletter about this. Like I understand the life of a monk now because it has been, you know, I've had less social interaction, but I've had way more internal connection and realizations and growth. And I'm extroverted. So it's, it's interesting because I just think there's a lot to be said for solitude. It's underrated. Well, it's true. Well, thank you so much for giving me an <laughs> hour you. of your time almost. And uh, it's 419, so I'll let you go because I don't want you running late. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I super appreciate yes. it. And I'm looking forward to whatever you create next. It's going to be really exciting. It's solitude. Yeah, it's been so fun to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. We need the solitude to create, right? Output. Absolutely. 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 Thanks cool. again, Laura. Bye. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning into the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dream Nation Love. It's not Dream Nation Podcast, it's Dream Nation Love because I think my single mission in life is to teach people how to love a little bit more and together we can save the world. So it's Dream Nation Love. Share it with your friends. Have a great day and go out and make the world a better place.